everyone. Welcome to Dig Deep. I'm so glad you're joining us today for the kickoff of this brand new series, Cleaning House. And I have a confession to make. I have a weird obsession. And yes, I know it's weird and I've had it for as long as I can remember. But one of my favorite pastimes is cleaning out a closet. I know, that's really weird. I love it so much that I even had coffee with a friend a couple months ago, and she was talking about how she was in the middle of a closet cleaning purge and um, project, and I got so excited just listening to her talk about her closet cleaning that I started to think about which closet I could clean that afternoon when I got home, and my heart started beating a little faster. And i it's embarrassing to say it. I, I wish it wasn't true that when I got home that afternoon, even though I really didn't have time for it, I did tackle that closet because I enjoy it that much. And you know, I figure, you can think I'm totally weird, but I figure if you're going to have a weird OCD thing, that's a pretty good one to have because who doesn't enjoy a well-organized, clean closet? And the truth is, my husband has been putting up with a lot of this lately, because as I mentioned in last week's episode, we are expecting baby number four, and we are very thrilled about welcoming this new little one. And as has been the case with each of our children, we have this pattern in our family of always having one more child than we have bedrooms. We always have one fewer bedroom than we have children. When we had our first, we lived in a one-bedroom apartment, and then the trend just kind of continued from there. So that's why almost all of our children have called a closet their bedroom at some point in their life. And this little one will be no different. And literally the same day that I took the positive test, I spent, and I wish I was kidding, over six hours starting the process of transitioning closets and reorganizing things to make our master bedroom walk-in closet available to eventually become a little mini nursery for our newest little one. And if closet cleaning has been on your radar screen at all in the past year, then you've probably heard about the New York Times bestselling book by Japanese author Marie Kondo. It's called The Life-Changing Magic of tidying up. And this book went completely viral. I feel like everyone that I know has heard about this book. And Marie Kondo, who also goes by KonMari, has a method for organizing your closets. And she gives so many helpful steps and just wonderful advice on how to live without as much stuff, as much junk, and actually experience more joy. And while she has a ton of wonderful principles in the book. One that has kind of become central that people are talking about is she's quoted in the book as saying that you should discard everything that does not spark joy. And so she encourages you to look at things in your home and in your closets and ask the question, does this spark joy? And that seemed kind of strange to me at first, but it's really what It's pretty close to what I've been saying for years about my closet cleaning. Everyone who knows me well acknowledges that I don't have much of a problem getting rid of things and I try to live toward a minimalistic lifestyle when it comes to stuff. And I've been saying this for years. Why would I keep clothes that I don't wear because they make me feel fat? And why would I keep toys that my kids don't even play with anymore? They just end up thrown all over the place? And why would I keep any number of things that when I step back, I just say, man, what is all this stuff? Where did we get all this stuff? Why do we have all this junk? 
But we all do this. Even I, who is truly obsessed with cleaning closets, I do this. I hold on to things that don't lift me up. They weigh me down. They don't bring me joy. They slowly, quietly suck joy from me. And you might think that someone really weird like me would always have perfectly organized closets. But the opposite is actually true. And it's true because life is messy. And honestly, when company is coming over, I do what you probably do. I shove everything that's lying around into a junk drawer or a toy bin or a closet. And, and I think to myself, I'll, I'll just throw it in there for now and I'll deal with it later. But my closets end up overflowing with random things that have been thrown in there over time. And we're kicking off this series today because our homes are a lot like our lives and the closets are a lot like our hearts. See, God knew that we would do the same thing we do with our closets with our hearts. We would hide things in there that we don't want others to see. We would tuck things away on the back shelf that we aren't really ready to fully process, or maybe we're not fully ready to let go of that thing that happened to us yet. Even though part of us knows we probably should, we're not sure, we're not ready, so we shove it back in the closet to deal with later. And while we can often fool others most of the time, we cannot fool God. And so he gives us this prayer to pray in scripture. It's from Psalm 139, verses 23 to 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. See, God sees every dark corner of our hearts and asks, why are you keeping that thing around? Why are you hanging on to that thing that's only weighing you down and stealing your joy? He's saying, I want to lead you along the path of everlasting life. And this prayer, if we were to pray it to God genuinely, this prayer gives God access to the closets of our hearts and says, okay, God, I'm giving you permission to point out anything, anything in me that offends you, and I will toss it out because I want you to lead me along the path of everlasting life. And so in this series, we're going to talk about some of those dirty little secrets, those things that hide in our hearts and keep us from the path of everlasting life, the life God intended for us to live, unhindered by sin and full of joy. Now, before we jump right into our first topic, I want to remind you that when you are cleaning out a closet, we all know that it gets a lot worse before it gets a lot better. And this was true for me the other day when we were having a busy day, but I was putting something away in my in my daughter's closet and I caught the bug. I decided that things had just gotten out of control in their closet. And so I went to work on just doing a simple reorganization. Well, a little while later, I ran into my husband in the kitchen while I was buzzing back and forth. And, and he said, you know, we, we got to get going soon. And I said, yeah, I, I just need a few more minutes upstairs to work on a project. And as I ran up the stairs, I can hear him say, what kind of project? And I said, well, don't be mad, but I'm just doing a little organizing of the girl's closet. Well, at those words, of course, he came up the stairs because he had to see for himself. And 
When I said a, a little organizing, of course, he saw that that meant that every surface of their beds and almost every square inch of the floor was covered in clothes and toys and different bags, one of clothes to hand down to their younger cousin, one of things to take to the thrift store, and one for trash. And see, here's the thing. Mari says in her book that when you are organizing a closet, this is one of my favorite principles from her. Often we go in and we look at the things in there and maybe we'll pull a couple things out. Yeah, I don't really need that anymore. I don't really wear that anymore. We throw some things in a bag and take them to Goodwill. Well, she encourages you to take a different approach. She says take everything, literally everything, out of your closet. Then, one item at a time, ask the question, does this thing spark joy? And if it does, then it ends up in the pile of things that will be organized and put back in the closet. And so in this series, we're going to seek to do the same thing. We want to take out all of our thoughts, all of the day-to-day experiences that we have, from the little things that we do to the big things that we do. And we want to put them before God and say, okay, here's everything. Here's the full honest truth of how I feel, of what I'm thinking, of what my actions convey about what I believe. I want to take it all out and lay it before you and say, point out anything in this pile that offends you because I want to get rid of it because I want the life that you have for me, God. I want you to give me a life that's full of joy. And that process is messy. It will be messy. I encourage you during this series to spend time journaling alone with God, or even better, if you have a small group that you want to walk through this series with, people that you can be really honest with and share the ugly truth of what's in your heart, that will be part of the healing process that's lasting as we seek to clean house together. So our first topic that we're diving into today is envy. Envy is one of those things that creeps in and hides in the closets of our heart again and again. Even when we strive to get rid of it, it comes back again and again. And envy, we actually defined two weeks ago in my interview with Kara Watson. Envy, as Webster defines it, is the painful or resentful awareness of an advantage enjoyed by another joined with a desire to possess the same advantage. And so I have a question that we need to answer today. What do you measure? What do you measure? Because see, we all measure different things. We might measure how many likes a certain post got, or the cost of his new car, or how toned her legs are, his level of education, her job title, that couple's fertility, how happy their marriage seems, the size of someone's house, the size of someone's bank account, the size of the vacations they take. We all measure something. What do you measure? Because see, when we're measuring, what we're really doing is comparing. We're not just measuring the thing that they have, We're holding up the same measuring stick to our own lives, and if we come out on top, we feel a tiny bit good about ourselves, but if they come out on top, we experience a tiny sting. What are we measuring? Because when we're measuring, what we're really doing is comparing. And many of us are familiar with the quote from Teddy Roosevelt that comparison is the thief of joy. 
Here's how the Bible puts it in Proverbs 14:30. A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. And this constant measuring and comparing ourselves to others leads us ultimately down a path of misery. It rots our bones and robs us of joy. And I've I've wondered why why do I do this? I know that this is bad for me. I know that it steals my joy, but I, I keep returning to it. And I think it comes from a place of just wanting to know where I stand. We want to know where we stand. And so we quickly assess the pecking order, if you will, of whatever environment we're in. And I'm not sure if you're familiar with the idea of a pecking order, but it comes from what happens when you put a bunch of chickens, a bunch of hens in a pen together. It is true that one hen will establish itself as the dominant one and it will peck at the others. Well, it's not just true that there's one dominant one. There's a whole hierarchy that gets established and those on top peck on those below them and the ones in the middle tolerate the pecking from the ones above and they in turn go and peck the ones below until the poor one at the bottom of the pecking order just gets pecked and has no one to peck themselves. And as weird as that is in nature, and and we don't really know why that takes place, we do the same thing. We hate the way it feels to have less than someone else, but we also allow ourselves to enjoy having more than someone else. When my husband and I first got married, shortly after we got married, we bought a brand new car. And no, I do not recommend buying a brand new car off the lot for all you fellow Dave Ramsey fans, but we hadn't taken FPU back then, Financial Peace University, and so we bought a brand new car. And I had my heart set on the brand new model of Honda that had just come out. And I'm not much of a car person. I mean, I'm not blind. I can tell when someone's driving a nice car, but it's just never been really that important to me. When I look at cars, especially when I look to buy a car, I consider affordability, gas mileage, and reliability as the three most important factors in buying a car. But in this case, I also considered cuteness as a factor. And I got my heart set on the new Honda Fit. It had just come out in America. It had been in Europe for a while. And I saw it on the lot, thought it was the cutest thing ever. And after spending a lot of effort over several weeks convincing my husband, we bought a brand new, shiny, bright red Honda Fit. And then we immediately took a six-week road trip around the country in our cute new shiny vehicle. And we got so many questions about it. At all the different national parks where we went on our trip, it seemed like at each one, someone would notice our car and say, hey, what kind of car is that? I've never seen that model of Honda before. It looks really cute. What is it? And and we were like Honda Fit spokespeople. We would tell people all about how it was deceivingly spacious and what great gas mileage it got and how even on one leg of our trip, we'd gotten almost 45 miles to the gallon because it was a stretch of really flat road. And we were so proud of our shining little red And after 10 years, we are still driving Little Red and she is going strong. But there have been, I have to admit, a handful of times when we have not felt so in love with Little Red. 
And she's been a great little car. I mean, she still gets great gas mileage. She's still really reliable. But there have been a handful of times where we have not been proud of her. Namely, every anniversary when we enjoy the rare treat of a fancy dinner at a restaurant that has valet service. And as we wait in line behind Mercedes and BMWs, I suddenly become painfully aware, not just of the make and model of our car, but of the dust on the dashboard and the carpets that probably could stand to be vacuumed and the paint job that has faded over the years and could desperately use a wash and wax. And see what happens in those moments is I find myself in a new social circle, in a different pecking order than I usually am in. And I realized pretty quickly, oh man, I'm at the bottom. In this situation, my car is definitely the worst car here. And I could ask, well, what happened? I'm normally so content with this little car. I love this little car. But I realize in those moments that my contentment wasn't coming from a place of freedom. It's not just that I normally say, man, I love this little car. It's great. It's that I am always measuring my car and comparing it to those around me. But my circle of close friends and family also have pretty normal cars. Most of the people around me don't have super fancy cars. And so I do measure my car against others, even subconsciously, all the time. It's just that usually the verdict is, yeah, this car is fine. This is a good little car. And do you see the difference? If we get our contentment from checking those around us to make sure we're up to par, then we're setting ourselves up for envy because there will always be someone who has something just a little bit better. And so if we want to break the cycle, if we want to clean envy out of our lives, we have to stop comparing our lives to those around us, no matter what that comparison yields, whether we come out on top, in the middle, or at the bottom, we cannot compare our lives to those around us. So we need to pull everything out, all our attitudes, all our thoughts, all our actions, and take a hard look at the mess and ask, do I have an envy problem? And there are two questions that I think we can ask that can be the litmus test for do we have envy lurking in the closets of our heart. And there are these two questions. I encourage you to write these down and ponder them later. One, do I struggle to truly celebrate the success of others? Do I struggle to celebrate the success of others? See, if it's hard for you or I to fully celebrate with the person who has good news to share, they're engaged, they're pregnant, they got the raise, they got the job, they're enjoying success in some area of life that's been a struggle for you or for me recently, we have an envy problem. Do I struggle to truly celebrate the success of others? And the second question is this, do I secretly celebrate when someone else fails? Do you secretly celebrate when that coworker drops the ball because it seems like they're always getting praised by the boss and you feel like your efforts go unnoticed? Do you breathe a sigh of relief when you're not the curviest person in that class at the gym? 
Do you get silent satisfaction from having more followers on Twitter than that person who gets on your nerves? Do you secretly celebrate when someone else fails? And if the answer is yes to either of those questions, then you have an envy problem. I have an envy problem. And no matter how many times I purge it, it keeps sneaking its way back into my life, back into my heart. And I refuse to let envy rot in the closet of my heart because I know that ultimately it robs me of joy. And so as I pull all the envious thoughts out and pull them out into the light and look at them, I want to strategically choose what am I going to put back into my heart to replace that envy. And the choice I need to make is to choose gratitude. Because see, gratitude is envy's worst enemy. One of Jesus' most famous miracles was the feeding of the 5,000. And in this story found in Matthew 14, Mark 6, and Luke 9, Jesus tells about a crowd who was following him, over 5,000 people. And he had compassion on them because they'd come to hear him teach and they were growing hungry because they'd stayed past dinner time. And so Jesus, very matter-of-factly, turns to his disciples and says, give these people something to eat. And his disciples said, Jesus, all we have is five loaves of bread and two fish. Jesus took the tiny little meal. He looked up to heaven and gave thanks. And I have to wonder, how puzzled must the disciples have been? They explained to him, we don't have food for 5,000 people. All we have is this tiny bagged lunch. And Jesus says, well, give it to me. And he takes it, looks up to heaven and gives thanks. He probably said something like, thank you, Father, for this gift of this food. I mean, did, did the disciples think that was weird? Did, did they snicker? Did they think it was funny? I don't know, but Jesus proceeded to break the bread and fish apart and hand it to the disciples, telling them to begin handing it out to all the people. And that little meal fed the entire crowd. See, the disciples took what they had, measured it, and then looked around at their surroundings. And they felt discouraged. There was no way that it would be enough. Jesus took the same small meal, measured it, but instead looked up, gave thanks, and then worked a miracle that filled the bellies of over 5,000 people. Where envy measures and then looks around to compare, gratitude measures and then immediately looks up and says, thank you, God for what you have given me. Gratitude says, I refuse to focus on what you've chosen to give others. I'm going to focus on what you've given me and say, I'm grateful. Thank you, God. Thank you, Father. And so our try it today is two part. The first is to try praying Psalm 139 verses 23 and 24 as a prayer to God, asking him to use this series in your life Write this down, pray it out loud to God. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. 
practice praying that to God and asking him to point out anything in your heart that he wants to purge. And the second part of our triad today is to practice gratitude. Spend time praying or writing a list of the good gifts in your life for which you are grateful. Keep your eyes from looking side to side and comparing those things with what he's given people around you and instead look up to God and give thanks for what he has given to you because gratitude is envy's worst enemy. And as we seek to clean out our hearts, to purge our hearts of these things that don't spark joy, they take joy from us, we need to be very intentional to remove everything to take a hard look at the envy in our lives and say, I'm done with you. And then to choose to place gratitude in our hearts, to exercise it and practice it daily. So I am really excited about this series. I hope that you will try those exercises today. If you want to go further, there are some discussion questions that you can find at jessalston.com. Go to the listen page and those discussion questions will be a link in the show notes. You can use those to go deeper into this topic and ask God how you can remove envy from your life. And lastly, I want to say if you are enjoying the podcast, I am so grateful that you're listening A couple ways that you can support the podcast and spread the word are one, to share the podcast on social media. If there is an episode that's particularly meaningful to you, or if you just feel a desire to share the podcast in general, share it on social media, let people know, get the word out. We hope that this podcast is a blessing to you. And if it is, we want it to be a blessing to others too. So share that on social media. That's a great way that you can help us spread the word. And then the second is you can go onto iTunes and review the podcast. You can leave it a star rating or even share a review. And that's a way that iTunes is more likely to share the podcast with others, people who haven't heard it before, who will hopefully be encouraged and challenged by it. So thank you so much for being here. I'm so grateful that you are listening. And I look forward to what God's going to do throughout this series. So we will see you back here next week for episode two of Cleaning House. Have a great week. Have a great week.